Hi, I'm Harry. And I'm Simon. Together we sell all sorts of antiques and collectibles from our two auction houses in Windsor and in Devon. But where do the items come from? Join us as we chat about house clearances, our weird and wonderful finds, and interview others in the antiques and auction trade, and if we're honest, just about any other topic that happens to come to mind. Welcome back to the Gavel and the Gavel. It's our first episode of 2023. I am joined by the pen clicker himself, Mr. Fidget. He's not going to talk. Happy New Year, Harry. It is 2023. We're starting all over again. How are you, mate? Are. How was your Christmas? Do you know what? My Christmas was absolutely lovely. Uh, we had um, my wife's family over from Australia and we had... I have to say, one of the best Christmases I've ever had. We had a great time. And it was lovely to catch up. We haven't seen them in five years, something like that. Um, And we got to do loads of things together. And, um, yeah, big shout out to um, the Australian contingent. Did did they give you any advice on uh, how to run your business? Yeah, members of the family were keen to help. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, let's brush, let's brush <laughs> over that. Thanks for that. That's always the, the the present that keeps on giving. I was giving a shout out to the twins, seventeen years old, and you and and, and let's move on. You absolutely. <laughs> that, no. was, that was your Christmas. Let me bring up some family stuff for you. No, I can't because I wouldn't dare. (laughs) (laughs) We had a lovely Christmas. Thank you very much. Um, Lots of family and three small boys, I should say, who enjoyed their presents. That's me, Max and Charlie. Yes, because we love a bit of Christmas. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, we had a cracking time. Thank you. But I have to say... It's nice to be back. It's nice to be back to the auction house. It's nice to be back on a podcast with you, my friend. It's just good to be back. Oh, flattery will get you everywhere. Um, so um, how has your commercial week been so far? Busy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of slowly getting back to it. Yeah, we've had some some nice people wandering in with some rather lovely uh, jewellery and silver and bits and pieces, rather unexpected. Um, and we had our stamp sale, of course, which ended on the third. That's what I was steering you towards there, boy. Oh, I see. Sorry, my ship was rudderless there thank goodness you're here harry um yeah we had our stamp sale which was remarkably good you know when you uh, we had all of our lots of stamps starting at six pounds 130 of them sold and the whole lot made nearly nine thousand pounds so the stamp guys went crazy which is good news because there's a turkey to pay for yeah, there was a turkey to pay for, but you were clever, weren't you not? Because you had it, it was a timed sale, not a it live was. auction. Time sales are making this resurgence at the moment of doing well. And you had it published right the way through Christmas. So when stamp guys were bored of talking to their uh talking to their families, um, they could just sidle off and check out the auction and do a bit of research. Clever man you are. Do a bit of research. Do do a bit of bidding. Yeah, absolutely. But you had a time sale as well, Harry, I believe, which did rather well. And didn't you have one? Right. Talk me through this. There was one lot in there, some Mm. bottles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hotly contested. What what did you list them as? 
antique uh, vi- vintage, we, oh, no, vintage. Uh, vintage there bottles. Was a discussion, yeah, vintage bottles, discussions of, as to where they were from, authenticity, age, and all this it. So we hedged our bets, went for a sort of very um for vintage bottles and uh put them in at a, a low price. I think what did you put them in at something like that? 30 to 50? 30 to 50, something like that. What what mm. did they make, Harry? Well, there were some riding crops that went really, really well. Dave, let's talk about those, <laughs> shall we? No, let's not. Let's talk about the bottles. Come on. Uh, 30 to 50 was the estimate. Did we make the lower estimate? Yeah. I said, I've just said the figure, but very quickly, you couldn't hear it. <laughs> what was it? 1,500. 1,500 pounds. Uh, Amazing. 1,500 pounds. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Love a Christmas gift. Well, again, we did exactly what you did. We had we had uh, three hundred and something lots, uh, and we put them up over the Christmas period. Published on the twenty third, a sale ended on the third, and it was a bit of fun, really, to see what would happen. And that was great. We had hundreds of people registered. It was really, it was really good fun. And uh, but we're back at it now. I have an anecdote to tell you um, before we get on. We've got an interview. Um, that we recorded that's coming out a really interesting fellow uh, later in this episode however over the christmas period people do a lot of their paperwork don't they or homework or there's time off time yeah. i got an email from the peruvian embassy the who what now on the the peruvian embassy on the fourth the charge d'affaires who had spotted a framed fragment and i mean literally a fragment of a peruvian poncho that was in our time sale and felt that it had significant history for Peru, and they were concerned as to where it had come from. Um, <laughs> it had been consigned from a deceased estate, so we haven't got anybody to talk to about it. Provenance wow. is, you know, difficult, to, difficult to find. And so we are now working our way around it and talking to the Peruvian embassy, talking to the consigner. Everybody's very amicable about returning this piece of poncho to Peru. <laughs> It was quite odd. You can imagine a letter from the Peruvian embassy is quite a ornate ambassadorial mm. piece of paperwork. It's not your average. It's not your average email. It's not your average email, is it? No. And funnily enough, I watched Paddington over Christmas. Right. Okay. Hoping now that the Peruvian ambassador isn't listening to this podcast, because if that's our only Peruvian ref- uh, reference, we're in strife. <laughs> <laughs> and is it going back to... So you've... Hang on, hang on. What we're actually saying is you've been accused of looting again. No, we haven't been accused of looting. Uh, they were very careful not to say that. <laughs> uh, but they wanted to track the provenance of the item. So it's quite oh. interesting. They said, look, this could be... it. You know, you've only got photos to go on. It, this could be just a nice piece of tourist wear. However, it is a nice thing. And therefore we, we do want to check that it hasn't been, it yeah, hasn't absolutely. been, as you say, looting. Interesting. And obviously the consigner who it's been consigned on behalf of an estate, but there is a relative has gone, Oh my, you know, obviously I hoping that my family's never been involved in looting. I'd rather return it than run the risk of, you know, offending anybody, but I think it's just a piece of holiday where it's a really interesting, yeah, but yeah, what to, a start to the year. What an interesting aspect to what we do. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what are we doing today, Harry? This is quite exciting. I think this is very exciting. We have got one of the foremost and exciting auctioneers 
television personality. Um, he has filmed with us at both our auction houses. Um, we are hugely grateful that he's taking time out of his busy schedule to come and talk to us today. And when he has filmed with us at both our auction houses, we have always come away saying, what a great guy. What an interesting, knowledgeable, great guy. And that guy is, because I know you have a bit of a man crush, Harry, so I'm going to let you tell everybody <laughs> who this is. Well, we'd like to welcome to the uh, podcast, auctioneer, TV personality, Mr. Paul Laidlaw. Hello and welcome back to The Gavel and the Gavel. I am privileged to welcome... NASA's loss, the antiques trade gain, Mr. Paul Laidlaw to our podcast. Uh, the first episode of 2023, I couldn't be happier. Paul, welcome. Nice to see you. Happy New Year to you. And to you, my friend. How are you doing? I'm not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, yeah, I had to bring up the NASA thing because, <laughs> I mean, unlike Simon, I do do a little bit of research. Mathematics degree at Edinburgh University. And then NASA. But then now we see you all over our TV. You are, I mean, a fan favourite on the Antiques Road Trip. I know we're going to get round to talking about your fantastic auction house and museum. But what happened there? Look, I was a geeky kid. I'm a geeky old man, but I was definitely a, a geeky kid as well. Um, and ob obsessed. Well, no, no, fascinated by astronomy. So at 18, I remember... Uh, looking at university prospectuses, you know, wh wh what do you want to do? I was not one of those kids that wanted to be a train driver. You know, the kids that I know from, from walking, I know what I want to be in life. Not a clue. But this is what came up. Love the Antiques Roadshow, Arthur Negus. You know I love my junk shops, charity shops and collecting. Could I be an auctioneer, Dad? There was no academic route then. The advice was there's no degree. You get yourself into an auction house, start porter and work your way up. That wasn't going to work for me. I wanted to get, pursue my education. Uh, what else then? What next? Astronomy. Love astronomy. Um, okay, off do astrophysics in Edinburgh. And of course you're going to end up at NASA, was the, <laughs> the teenage vision. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suspect in truth, well, here, here's a bear in my soul to you now. <laughs> I am an inveterate collector, and I love history. That's why I do this. My interest in astronomy was in, was in the history of astronomy and in scientific instruments. So I go off to university. Oh, right. Almost, I mean, I, I exaggerate, but I would have been happy going to university and being taken to a 19th century observatory with a colossal cast iron and brass telescope and told, there you go, boy, get on with it. In truth, I was sitting in lectures studying the equations that d describe the birth and death of stars, and it was highly abstract and math mathematical, hence the maths degree. Um, uh, and it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Uh, I was skiving off lectures and disappearing at the National Museum of Scotland, staring at brass instruments. Um, that's why I'm not at NASA. And, 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 <laughs> there, you, there you go. Um, and, and I'm blessed that uh, a local auctioneer, shout out to Howard Naylor, uh, he uh, had seen this wee, this daft wee laddie with a Scots accent and his denim jacket wandering around his auction room and not stealing things, actually being a meaningful participant, albeit 
before his years, if you get my drift. So, so Howard had seen me from a wee laddie, and as a, and and in my what thirties, still attending his auctions. One day he says to me, uh, "Could I vote, Paul? What's all this about?" Occasionally ask me opinions on maybe military items that were one of my you know bents if you get my drift. Uh, but this day he said, "Look, Paul, I'm going to retire in ten years' time, and I need someone to take over when I go." And uh, in a non-sinister way, I've had I've, I've known you since you were a wee boy, and I think it could be you. Oh, wow. Yes, seriously. Um, so I jumped ship, um, went into the world of auctioneering, um, trained under him. Uh, he, he, old school auctioneer, sophisticated, classically trained, great uh, tutelage he gave me. Uh, and look, the rest, as they say, is history. So, sorry, there's been a long answer to your question about NASA, but that's where I start. That's the making of me. And do and, uh, you know what? If that's all you ever knew, saw of me, what I've just told you, you'd have me in a nutshell. That's me, the geeky wee laddie, the geeky auctioneer. Fantastic. No, I had to ask about the NASA thing because I saw it online and I, I realised it was real, but I just wanted to make sure it was 100% real. <laughs> and that is superb. True story. Yeah, excellent stuff. When I was doing my research on you and you've got your um, auction house, they, my understanding, Simon's always wanted a fantastic TV career. I've got a face for radio. Um, but you were uh, spotted on, um, was it Bargain Hunt? They were filming at your place. And that's how and there's been a sort of natural progression forward from there. Yeah. And now you've ended up on the others. Yeah. Um, look, pure serendipity, pure chance. Uh, in truth, I wasn't long... Uh, in the game when Floggit appeared. Now, that, that's my first appearance on TV many moons ago. That's going to be almost 20 years ago now. Um, and Floggit attended, uh, and that was taking a move. What an experience. And I thought, that's it. We've been blessed. What what, 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 what an experience. Then, don't know whether there's a link, but it's plausible. Gets a phone call. Bargain We'd like to sell some items through your auction. Uh, fair enough. Give it a go. Uh, they turned up. Uh, that, now, that was incredible. I hold Tim Wanacott in incredibly high regard. If, if I have anyone on a pedestal, it is Tim Wanacott. Uh, it was an absolute joy and a privilege working with the, the BBC. You've worked with them. People that work in TV land, in my opinion, are genuinely lovely, youthful, talented, a joy to be around. They're all so young in our limited experience. They're all about 12. That's what we keep saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I thought, there you go, you, you, that, that was fun, Back, get, get on with the day job. Uh, but no, I got a phone call after that saying, look, we'd like to come back. That was absolutely fantastic. Um, and we'd like you to screen test to be an expert. Now, that was the last thing I wanted to hear because what you don't know about me is I am um, a shrinking violet. Yeah, I may come across as you I really have no desire to stick my head above any parapets. Leave me with a book, a glass of wine, and I'll not bother anybody. I'm, I'm just want it. I just want to do my own thing. Uh, interesting. Yeah, seriously, I just want to do my own thing. So the last thing I wanted to do was appear on national TV. But uh, my mother uh, says frequently, you know, better to regret having done something or having tried than to have not tried or walked away from it. And I, thought, I don't want to go to my grave wondering what would have happened if you had tried that BBC gig. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. Uh, first 
bargain hunt was up in the north of Scotland, Perth, with uh, Mark Stacey. All right. Took me under his wing. Was an absolute joy. What a what a good guy. All credit to Mark. Love him to bits. Respect him. Um, I remember turning up that first night. Oh, my God. You see, you've started me off now. you started me off. <laughs> my, my twin boys were born the day before my first bargain hunt. I, I handed two newborn boys to my wife and went, well, good luck. <laughs> oh, my life. <laughs> <laughs> Disappeared up the road to Perth. Remember, walking into a hotel, did the supper in the hotel the night before filming, and there's Tim Wanakot sitting there in his casuals, and, oh, Paul, like an old friend, come sit here, and I can't believe I've got Mark Stacey around the table, all these talented TV people, Tim Wanakot, and I'm gen- – it sounds really cheesy, but I'm pinching myself in the ladle. How the hell did you end up here? Anyway, made the most of it. Uh, and, and I did. It, it was it was a joy. Uh, two days of filming, in the car driving down the road to see my bands and my wife, and all is well. I'm thinking, that's great. Done it. I'll never have to do it again. Fantastic. <laughs> but sadly, they kept phoning up saying, we've got another gig for you. And I'm like, oh, they, I'm like, oh wonderful. And then said, I'm like, no, not again. I don't want to do this. So I, I am not, um, this is not something that I've chased. Um, it's a, it's a, been a blessing, a privilege, an honour, and in many regards, the making of me. Um, it certainly brought me out of my shell. Uh, but there you go. I'm, I'm interested. I mean, because it seems to take up a lot of your time and you run a really busy auction house. I mean, you've just moved to, well, in, in the last couple of years, you've just opened the uh, Temple Auction Rooms in uh, in Carlisle, which I have to say look fantastic. Um, and, I, I, and I've got to ask you about the museum because I know you as a collector as well as a, yeah. as a, a TV um, and auctioneer. Um, and um, but you, I mean, how much time does this take up? And as you say, you've got twin boys, so you know you've got twin children. So I mean, it it, it must get in the way. You must be very busy. Yeah, look, uh, it is. Uh, it, it, it's insane. Um, but you may have noticed I have not done TV work in the past couple of years for that reason. Oh right. Yeah, I had no life uh, working a seven day week. Throw throw filming into that. Basically, you're trying to cram a nine day week into seven, you know? Um, so, yeah, but you're, you're quite right. It, it is demanding. You know, traveling uh, away from home, away from your family, staying in hotels. But do you know what? None of that detracts. It is a blessing and a privilege, and it's fantastic fun. Oh, seriously. I work hard. I take it very seriously. Um, uh, you've, it, it is fun on the outside. On the inside, I'm like a machine. Uh, when I'm filming, it is, you know, I have a job to do here. You know, it's, it's serious. But the truth of the matter is the BBC have given you a, a title. They've called you an expert. I'm not using that term. I'm just an auctioneer and a collector and a dad and a foodie and everything else. Uh, but uh, they've called you. The BBC, that great national and global institution, has deigned to call you an antiques expert. Show some goddamned expertise. Yeah, 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 that's what yeah. I try and do. You know, did, 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 show why you, why they've why they've given you that 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 opportunity. So you know, get it all out there. Try and find the treasures. Try and find the sleepers. Explain to the to the viewers exactly what you see in them, and then pray to God. <laughs> 
Now, you you mentioned the sleepers there, Paul. Now, everybody we speak to about you, apart from other interesting questions I've got to come to, wants to talk about you. Are you still the record holder on Antiques Road Trip? I'm sure you're bored of telling this story, but is this right? You are still. I mean, I, I've rewatched the episode the other day because I'm an anorak and I'm obviously getting ready to talk to you. But you bought something at sixty pounds that sold for what was it? Twenty thousand pounds, which was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, fantastic! <laughs> uh, a similar camera previously sold for a hundred thousand euros. Oh my life! Now, when you saw it, you knew that it was. You knew what it was, or is it all for camera? And I knew exactly, but no, no, it, what you see on camera is very real. Um, it, it, it's exactly as it played out. Now, I knew what it was by deduction, and that's back to my interest in science and my academic training. So here's the true story. This this emporium was the biggest of its kind I will ever go in. It was huge. And that's a night you might think, Look at all the opportunities there. You're a bargain hunter. You're a treasure hunter. Look at what you've got to play with. Myself, I, I'm, I'm up against the clock. I might only be in there for a couple of hours. I want to leave such a place having looked at every object, everything. <laughs> uh, so this is a nightmare. Anyway, I walk past this glass cabinet. Uh, the shelves of the cabinet are, you couldn't squeeze a razor blade in. It's thick with material. And at the back of one shelf, I see... What I think is a camera lens. It's so small, this, you've seen it. Uh, yeah. It looks like something that bolts on the front of a mahogany and brass plate camera. Now, I know that there can be serious money in early lenses. So I reach in, you can have a look in there, grabs, it, grabs this thing, and clearly it is complete in itself. It, it's, it's, not, it's not meant to be mounted or anything. So as I explain, okay, if it's not a lens, then what is it? Oh, my goodness, this is a camera. This is a sub-miniature camera. I've not seen one before. Tim Wanakot once told me, and it's a great rule of thumb, if you've never seen one before, keep looking because it's, it could be a rarity. You know, you've not seen yeah. it before. Only one or whatever. So I'm thinking, right, this is it. Now, no one, only a few select people know this. I'm thinking, this is your moment, Laidlaw. You've done it. Now, I, don't know, I don't know whether this is worth hundreds or thousands, but I know I've never seen one before, and I know what it is. I got it to within a year. I think I said circa 1850, and it was made in 1851. I, I, I called it. I got it right. Yeah, nice. But I couldn't be empirical and say, ah, and the last one that turned up made this price because you're that rare. Um, true story. I've spotted this. I've identified what it is. I now need to buy it. And I know I'm going to buy it. But importantly, this is my moment. I, I've been doing this, waiting on, pulling the rabbit out of the hat, really finding something dazzling. And I, on the way from the cabinet to the counter, I walk past one of these young, talented TV people that we've been talking about, uh, shout out to Odin. And a whispers in his ear, Odin, watch this and worship me as a bleeping god. You hear the lines, watch what I'm about to buy and worship me as a bleeping god. <laughs> and you have done it. 
Um, and there you go. So I'm driving. So I buy this thing. Everything's tickety boo. Uh, I'm I've a very long drive from Margate to Carlisle that 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 night. Uh, and on the way up the road, the 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 the, the phone rings over the, the 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 car system, and it's the director saying, "Laidlaw, what have you done here?" And I said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what have I done? Have I left something? Have I, have I driven off with the microphone?" <laughs> I've just googled this camera, and it's serious. And then then it, you know what happens. But it was yeah. cheap. It was cheap at 20 grand. Yeah, and, and all that money went to a fantastic cause. I mean, I know it's peculiar, I mean, but it all went to children in need, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it's a, quite an emotional thing, really, all round. Oh, geez. I, 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 after the sale, uh, I mean, I, I was crying. I mean, I'm, I, I, mean I, I, I cry at the blink of an eye, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they come out. Um, but uh, oh no, fun. There were no there were no casualties in this transaction. If I had walked in in my jeans on a Saturday morning and bought that, casualty would be the dealer. They, they missed a trick, um, yeah. and, and and I would have been a wee bit better off, and I would have squandered that on toys, right? So there you go. But yeah. in this instance, let's be perfectly honest. A lot of good would come of that, and see the dealer, who a lovely guy by the by the way, lovely guy. Let's be perfectly candid here. He's made his twenty grand. On the back of that, don't think for a minute that every time that's broadcast, the next day they're not turning up in coach loads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he couldn't pay for that advertising. He's Absolutely. got he's got twenty grand's worth of free advertising yeah. in a heartbeat, hasn't he? Yeah. Everyone, everyone won with that. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Now the move to Carlisle, so the opening of the new um, auction rooms. I'm guessing because I was looking at the dates, COVID got a bit in the way. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know, but that must have been a pain in the neck. But um, and the museum. Now I know you as a collector. Is the museum so that you can go and chill out in your own collection, or is it other bits and pieces that you have? I'm fascinated by this. It's uh, Laidlaw getting his toys out. Oh, is it? Okay. It's the family saying, that room, I'm having it back, and <laughs> this is all going. <laughs> You've got to take it to work with you. I'll tell you the, 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 the serious answer is, I didn't want a museum. Uh, I want a library. I am a bibliophile. I, I buy books by the yard. Um, love reference books. Knowledge is, you, you know, it. it's all about knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Another aspect to it, it's voyeurism. Um, these books are um, titillation for me. If you can't own the object, buy the book. <laughs> so, so I've got a, a considerable library of art and antiques reference, um, which I've been growing since a boy, literally. Uh, always aspired to a library when we bought this property, and it is lovely, your period property. Uh, I said to the architect, look, I want an open plan office, but I want a mezzanine library above working with a great architect, we pulled it off at COVID. It did get in the way. It took longer than it should have done. That's all history. I got my library. Uh, and then, of course, you think, well, wait a minute, I'll, I could stick that helmet on top of that bookcase. And that'll look really good. And then, there you go, it looks really good. Uh, and a year down the line, yeah, you do have something that looks like a museum. <laughs> Or a playground, if you need. So, and it's your safe space, I'm guessing. Yeah, so, totally. this is when you're having, you know, when you're having one of those days, you just go, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, you can all leave me alone for a minute. I'm having five seconds on my own, and I'm going to walk around my book, my, <laughs> look at my books, and play with my toys. I love that. It's I love that. Now, I don't want to set you off, Paul, <laughs> because I know this is a bugbear. 
Um, Simon and I both work, work, both work with our wives at the auction house, and my wife follows you almost slightly too religiously on Twitter, I feel. Um, however, postage in the auction world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, I don't ask the, if I don't ask the question, I'm probably going to have to live in the car. So I've got to ask you, this is your big thing at the moment. Well, one of your big things around our industry. I know our industry is uh, constantly evolving and all the rest of it. Postage, talk to me. Where are you at? Okay, hang on a minute, Harry. I've just got to go get my soapbox. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I tell I, what you see is what you get with me. Here is my opinion. Auctioneers have benefited, and their clients and their customers have all benefited from the wonders of the internet. Economically, the auction market is near perfect. Uh, that can be defined as every potentially interested buyer is aware of every potentially interesting object. Perfect competition. A truly open and effective market. Everyone wins. Arguably, as you and I know, the dealer has lost because the dealer suffers greater competition. And indeed, in this day and age, and certainly post-lockdowns, uh, Increasingly, dealers are bidding against their customers, okay? So I feel for them. Uh, however, the compensation is they have access to a greater offering. I think all players have benefited from this online, distant selling aspect of the current auction trade. Um, I think there's an obligation on auctioneers, if they're taking advantage of gaining access to distant buyers via the internet they should provide those buyers with completeness of service and get purchased lots to them as economically as possible now it ain't going to be as cheap as amazon because we do not have the economies of scale that amazon does but we can get a package to you as auctioneers surely for a fair price and i'll tell you what without expecting to make any profit on it now, here's the deal. I think it's laziness on the part of auctioneers. And I also think it is, uh, I, I think there's a degree of risk avoidance in it. I've spoken to some auctioneers who say, well, do you know what? If we post it and it gets lost in the post or broken in transit, we pick up the pieces, we carry the can. If we let, if we farm it out to a third party service provider, it's their problem. Not good enough. Not good enough because the victim is the buyer. Provide the service. For goodness sake, if you're worried about it being broken in transit, pack it properly. If you're worried about <laughs> it going missing, touch wood. We've provided this service for years now. We post huge volumes of material around the world in our terms. We are, we are, we are minnows. We're a small auction house. But we post a lot of material out. Uh, I can count on the fingers of one hand the items that have gone astray. Uh, and, and you know what? I think most of them turned up in the end. So <laughs> there is no risk to the auctioneer in offering the service. Uh, there's a lot of reward. Uh, buyers appreciate it uh, because it's not universal. Uh, and uh, you know what? It's the right thing to do. So there you go. Enough said. I think it's born of laziness, uh, <laughs> arrogance, uh, which, which, which is, which is, is certainly a trait within this profession, is it not? You know, plenty of auctioneers that are so far up their own backside. <laughs> 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 I 
I'm I'm loving the fact I'm loving the fact that I I don't know how I hadn't caught hold of your postage campaign on your uh, social media, but um, you you really don't have a strong opinion on it at all. So that's important. <laughs> <laughs> the, shri- the shrinking violet that was Paul Laidlaw has completely been shelved and he's now starting some sort of national campaign. Uh, uh, later on today, uh, we're interviewing um, Matt Ball, who's the uh, editor of um, the ATG, and um, we'll bring it up with him for you, if you like, Paul. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and say, oh, I started this morning doing this. And um, you, have you got any comment? Do you want to write a piece on this? I love it. <laughs> I was looking for some content to ask him. Now I've now I've now I've got thirty minutes. I stand by what I say. I stand by what I say. I'm sincere. Um, there you no, go. no, I love it. I love it. Now um, we always ask because um, we're nearing the end of your chit chat, and um, I, I am hugely grateful, Paul, that you've spared us the time. Because when we put some messages out on social media about three months ago, when we were starting this, um, you were in the top three people um, that people wanted to hear from. So just so you know, so if you want your ma- ego massaged, uh, one of them, the other one is. Um, and, and I know you know this gentleman, um, is Mr. Serrell, but because um, I was rude about him in the first ever episode, because when I met him, he didn't sort of give me a big hug and tell me how special I was. And I was, and he's um, he's one of my heroes. Um, so uh, we're trying to get him to come on the pod, but I think it involves me crawling over broken glass. And I'm not, I'm too fat for that, frankly. Um, so what everybody always wants to know, is from auctioneers and people who do what we do. They want to know what is our craziest finds? What is the thing that you found in your career? And I always say it's not actually because people always say, oh, you found that and it, you thought it was worth £10 and it's sold for 100000 and you're on the bid barometer in the newspaper and all that sort of stuff. I always say those aren't the interesting stories. The interesting stories is the things you weren't expecting you know, the real oddities. And it's trickier for you because you're a collector. So you'll spot things in catalogues all over the world and and in the country. But what's your, have, have, have in the last, since you've opened, reopened at Temple, what's your sort of best find? Or is there a find that you look back on with love and affection? There are so many, you, you, you and I are the same ilk, and you, you now know it's a difficult question to answer because yeah, yeah. there are so many answers. But just, it's purely off the top of my head. How's about you walk into a perfectly respectable residence in your locality to look at some inherited items that have been lurking in the backs of drawers for decades, uh, and on the table there's a vintage uh, Rolex carton, a cardboard box or a Rolex watch. The wee coronet on the front. Now, this isn't as boring and obvious a tale as you might think because, uh, you know, someone got an expensive Rolex. You know, hold the front page. Who cares? <laughs> How's about you open up the Rolex? But no, you pick up the Rolex box and there's a wee, a wee notes, a wee paper label stuck to the front of the box that says Oliver Cromwell's watch. <laughs> you know, there's there's an issue here. <laughs> But you open the box, and plausibly, there is a watch of Oliver Cromwell's in there. There is a Puritan silver fob watch with what transpires to be an almost verifiable provenance. I, I researched this extensively, and I got its history back to, I think, about 1800. 
So what, 150 years after the event and 220 years ago, you're more than halfway back to the mid 17th century. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I can say I found a watch of Oliver Cromwell's in a Rolex case. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that is fantastic. Oh, that is superb. I um I went to a school um in Lancashire where we had a table and it said on the table there was a brass plaque and this was one of their f- most favourite things and it said Oliver Cromwell slept here and we all just went, "Are you kidding me? How do you, do you get get away from me? How do you know? Shut up!" <laughs> it's I'm, unbelievable. I'm, but the I'm, fact that you found the fact that you found. And I mean, you know, you know your stuff, so you've traced it back, and as you say, you've gone but so far back. That is amazing. And for you, as a history buff, that's old warts and all's watch. Did you spend quite a lot of time holding on to it, going? This is- <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll just hold this for a bit longer. <laughs> History via osmosis, I think that's the way. You're hoping it seeps up your arm, a little bit of input. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for um, sparing us uh, half an hour. In I know at the beginning of the year, it's the busiest time. Um, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm. I could chat to you all day. Um, I'm uh, the food thing. I love. I'm. I'm watching the photos of you cooking. Um, and, and could you stop posting those? Because as I've said, my wife follows you, and it's making me look like an absolute. I'm useless. And, you know, Temple Auction Rooms going from strength to strength, bigger and bigger and more and more sales. You are so busy. No wonder you're cutting back on the old uh, on the old TV. Although they obviously love you so much because they repeat you're almost on every day. <laughs> I'll do that. Oh, I love it. Right, mate. Thank you so much. Really nice to see you again. And I'm hope- hopefully you'll come and see us soon. Or we'll fi- we'll find something to sell you. That's even more fun. I like those bits. Now you're talking. Now we're talking. (laughs) All right, fella. Nice to see you. Well, that was Paul Laidlaw, interviewed by the magnificent Mr. Harry. And you may have noticed, dear listeners. Oh, um, first of all, let's just say a huge thank you to Paul for his time. Uh, Fascinating insights. Uh, Just a great guy, a fabulous guy, um, and a joy to speak to. Although you may have noticed that Simon from Devon was nowhere to be seen. Now, as we said at the beginning, Harry is a big, big, big fan of Mr. Laidlaw and for obvious reasons. What a great guy. So how he managed to muscle me out of this podcast, there are suggestions that Maybe he got Susie, my wife, to turn on every gadget in the house and stream Netflix on 42 devices in order to kill my broadband so that he would get the lovely Paul all to himself. I don't know. But what we do know, ladies and gentlemen, is that... I really, really, really need the right to reply. (laughs) Is that, unfortunately... I did not have any audio on that stream at all and so was merely sidelined a passenger on the great journey that was the podcast of Harry and Paul Laidlaw. 
How did you do it, Harry? Confess. Tell the world this is your right to reply. But seriously, honesty is the best policy, Harry. How exactly did you manage to manufacture kicking me off my own podcast with you so that you got Mr. Laidlaw all to yourself? Come on. Well, I mean, you've spoken for more than Paul and I did, just giving me a hard time there. Um, I, do you know what? Sadly, sadly, um, producer Dave will back me up here. You have got the worst internet connection in the world. And that's all it was. It was, mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was mm. hugely fortuitous for me <laughs> because I got and to it chit just happened on the day. When the lovely Paul Laidlaw was, I see what you're doing here. I see how this is working. Dear listener, dear listener, pay no attention. If I'm suddenly not heard of evermore, please call the police. Get get the authorities involved. If I just suddenly disappear from podcast land, number one suspect. <laughs> really good podcast. Really good podcast. Well done, Harry. You carried the We had great there. fun, didn't we? He's yeah, he's joking aside. Joking aside, what a lovely guy. Interesting that he's he's got some strong views, particularly this postage <laughs> issue that we brought up with him in auction houses. Um, I feel we might be starting a thing there, but I think he's absolutely right. Are, you know what? His career, fascinating, fascinating guy. But I was, you know, when you look up, you're doing a bit of research before we do these things, and we were talking about, um, we'd found out about his NASA aspirations. Yeah. That was just the funniest thing. I just thought somebody put that on his Wikipedia as, you know, as a sort of, you know, people add these yeah, things, yeah, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was the it was the truth. It, that's what he was interested in. Fascinating. fascinating. Oh, I loved, I loved the story of finding the, the camera and it being you know, for the Antiques Road trip and it being sold for £20,000, bought for 60 quid. I mean, that's, you know, that is the dream. And he has lived the dream, finding that item for 60 quid and selling it for £20,000. And you know what? In the back of every collector, every dealer's, mind dreams is and he's done it what a great story and the fact that he doesn't begrudge a penny of it all going to charity speaks volumes i mean he's a real ambassador yeah, you know he's what, an that... ambassador for auctioneers and auction houses and all of the things we do he's a cracking ambassador for that and i thought it was a fantastic interview and well done harry thanks for bailing me out because my internet connection collapsed so well done you mate ah the truth is out the truth is out right mate well i'm gonna see you in the next episode shall i we're not talking now because you've really dropped me right in it with my man crush <laughs> um, <laughs> look forward to it what is it subscribe review stuff like that all that malarkey nice see you later ta-da